This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to episode 197 of the Stacey West podcast. I am your host or one of your hosts, Gary, and this evening I'm joined by another of your hosts, Chris. How are we doing, Chris? Hello, good evening. Yeah, very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, um, I had a bit of a disaster actually, Chris, on Saturday. We had a little bit of a problem. Um, so was it I related? Went... Was it what, sorry? Football related. No, of course not. No, no, we never open with football-related things. No, um, it was making my kitchen smell like boots-related. Oh, great. Um, yeah, so we went to uh, the factory shop at Horncastle, and they'd got a, a good offer on um, what I thought was gentleman's smellies. So I bought some NYC uh, 212, which I quite like. It's a Caroline Herrera. It's nice. It's usually expensive. It wasn't expensive. I've got it home, opened it up. They've changed the bo- bottle. So before the bottle was kind of like a like a square bottle that you can stand on the side. And when it popped out, it looked like um, a sausage or, or a miniature dildo. Um, it was literally like, sl- honestly, sl- cylindrical. Uh, and I didn't know which end I could screw off or anything. I'm like, this is going to be a disaster. So finally get the end off, put it on myself, think, no, I don't remember that. So I get Fee over. I said, come and have a smell of this. She has a sniff and she's like, it's a bit flowery, isn't it? Um, so I had a look uh, and obviously I bought the women's one because apparently now they don't put poor hom or poor femme on, on perfumes because it would offend those that are homs and femmes, wouldn't it? Um, the, the, the middle ground. Uh, so I said, right, Fee, you can have it, but I, I can't stand it up anywhere, so I'm going to put it back in the box. And I went to put it in the box, and it literally just slid straight out of the box, straight onto our slate floor, and shattered everywhere. Oh, um, so basically our kitchen, it doesn't smell so bad now, uh, but yeah, our kitchen basically smelt like the Isle of Boots. You know where with all the vacuous girls there who, yeah. I see. Hey. When you say it smells of boots, I thought you meant like you'd started some dog shit or something. It was on your oh, like boots. feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, in case I, anyone uh, is anyone is thinking of buying NYC two one two, it doesn't smell like feet. So good. So sorry, go on. I had a bit of a mishap this week at uh, the weekend as well, unfootball related. Um, 
it will take some explaining, but I promise you will laugh. It'll probably create more questions than answers because I dropped my PlayStation 5 controller down the toilet. <laughs> oh, somewhere in the distance, I can hear Ben Ben's heart breaking. Um, go on, explain. How did you drop your PlayStation 5 controller um, down the toilet? So I was playing PlayStation with the headset on because I'm a massive nerd, talking to my friends, and they did a Wii. And it's obviously much easier to walk into the toilet and have a Wii with your headset still on and your controller just with you then it's just to take yep. it off for the minute it takes you to go for a piss um so i, I popped it on the uh there's like, there's a, we've got a, a windowsill kind of in front of the toilet so just happy as now having a wee did the business popped it on the sides all good um turn around to brush me to brush my teeth to, to wash my hands sorry yanked the controller off the windowsill into the toilet had flushed it at this point so it was clean water but that's not really the point um fished it out obviously it stopped working so I've had to spend 70 quid on a new controller. And then I told oh. Steph the story um, and her only response was, well, that'll teach you for not putting the toilet seat down. Oh, that is. <laughs> Which is annoy- annoyingly correct. It is annoyingly correct. It is. We, Fee and I, we don't have a thing with it, but I have this thing in my mind no, about the toilet seat. I, I have an issue with it because when we get out in the night, Fee is able to navigate from the bedroom through the hallway into the bathroom without a light. Obviously, I mean, I'm not releasing any private information. She can then sit down, as all women do, and there's no particular need in that respect um, to, to kind of have a light on. So the seat, if it's down but with the one bit up, she can go straight in, sit down nice and easy. I, on the other hand, have to stumble through. Now, if I stumble through... Let's see, 99 times out of 100, I don't wake up in the night and think, oh, you know what I need? You know, everything I need is going to be a standing up. So I like to leave the seat up so that I can go through in the dark. And so although we never talk about it, and I'm getting glared at now from the office for telling people about these toileting habits. Um, yeah, I, I never in my mind, every time I go to the loo before we go to bed, I always think, what do I do with the seat to be best? And I, I actually have a process where I think. Right, so who's drunk the most this evening? Um, have we had cups of tea and all that sort of stuff? So Fee is mortified, absolutely mortified. Um, and those of you who are listening uh, and, and who will be listening to our super special announcement later in the pod, and we're not going to tell you when it is, we're going to make you listen to us talk about football until we get there. Um, you'll have an opportunity to meet Fiona, who's going to come to the, the live pod. Um, so you can ask her about her toileting habits and she probably will never talk to me again. So there we go. OK, so you might have noticed there there was a little tiny glitch. The little glitch is because once again, this knobhead um, had selected the little tiny microphone on his um, on his speed, on his headphones, which he didn't know he had until last time he did a live podcast. and It was awful. Uh, so the sound quality will now be back up again. And Ben will not be happy. He'll be going, it wouldn't happen with me, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it wouldn't. And he'd be right. But I'm not telling him that. Um, so we speak, talk about something that Ben probably wouldn't be right about if he talked about it, football. Um, we'll move on to uh, MK Tons at the weekend. <laughs> oh, that's so harsh. <laughs> Chrissy's, Chrissy's biting his fist. Fee's glaring at me now. Worse, she thinks it's worse that I accuse Ben not knowing of football when I tell people about what she does at night when she goes to the toilet. Um, MK Dons, nil-nil. All season I've been referencing games as it wasn't as bad as Charlton at home. Um, it was as bad at Char- as Charlton at home, wasn't it, in terms of performance? Almost identical. It's yeah. a weird one. It's a weird Because I was really disappointed after it. But, like, on paper, t- take league situation away from it. Take pass form away from it. You look at that, I think, nil-nil away from home. Solid enough performance. 
did they didn't really have a sniff apart from one opportunity in the second half. Defended well, great. We'll take it, move on. But it's probably the first time this season I've felt we didn't really want to win the game. And I don't think we can really criticise anyone, any of our performances this season in regard to um, kind of leaving anything out there. Like, you know, that's the kind of mentality you want to leave everything on the pitch, don't you? So even when we got battered, even when we played posh, it wasn't for a lack of trying. We were just crap tactically and, and technically they were better than us. But we didn't not try. And I'm not saying this in terms of effort. I'm saying this in terms of mentality. So and we know we can kind of grind out or resort against the big teams. Um we know we can be maybe competitive, but not really have the clinical edge against the teams around us. Um, what I felt like on Saturday is that that was there for the taking. And it felt like we were actually, we set up to be happy for a point. Whereas I think we could have gone for three. And that was disappointing. I felt like for the first time, this is, I felt like we didn't really have a go to win it. We just went there to not lose. And I think that was a really winnable game. Yeah, I, I mean, when I say about performance, I don't think it was a bad performance because, um, first of all, we didn't have enough of the ball to actually put performance in. But I think that we controlled what is a good Milton Keynes side. And when I say that, I don't mean in terms of their form. I don't mean in terms of where they are in the league. I mean, when you look at them pound for pound, player for player across the board, and it's still a really good side. You know, in attack, they're still predominantly the players that they brought to attackers last season and won 3-2 and all that sort of stuff. You know, so it, it's still a good side. And I'll be surprised if MK Dons go down. I think there are four worse teams than them. Um, and like you say, last season, if somebody had said, you go to MK Dons, you get a nil-nil draw, it'd be like, that's brilliant. And I think some of the reaction and some of the negativity, even that I felt, was more with the fact, well, they're in the bottom four, we should be doing better. And the game was indeed there for the taking. I think part of our performance actually was down to necessity. I think that Mark Kennedy knows what we know in that Lass Sorensen and Max Sanders as a two is probably not good enough. Um, for League One football. And so, therefore, we, I mean, it says we went 4 2 3 1. For me, it's a 4 3 3. Yeah, it's easy to say a 4 2 3 1, but it's not. Your wingers are pushing on, they're attackers. It's not, a, it's not a 4 5 1, in my opinion. It's almost like a 4 3 3. Um, so we've got two holding midfielders in Sanders and Sorensen. Combined, they make one decent holding midfielder, dare I say. Sanders is more box to box. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I just think it was more necessity. Tom Hopper as well up top, not the most, you know, Unfortunately, I, I, I keep negging on Tom. That's a, a youth word, by the way, negging. It means being negative. Um, oh, so I keep never ne- heard of it before. So, you know, I keep negging on Tom. Um, and it, I, I, yeah, it's not entirely fair, probably either. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think it was more necessity. And I'd like to think that this week we can be a little bit better, but it's hard to find anything to talk about, isn't it? I'd say the real positives. If we're going to try and put a silver lining on this, obviously yeah, yeah. taking the, the result aside from it is we changed to a back four, which I, I just absolutely didn't see happening at all. Um, and we were solid. So I think the reason we went from a back four to a back three earlier in the season was because we were each game was very open. And it, so it was after the Bristol Rovers game, wasn't it? But before that, we'd kind of been carved open a couple of times by some teams. So we decided we had to be. Harder to beat, change shape, went to a back three, which was mainly a back five, let's be honest, in in, in most games. Um, and we were more solid. So the, the benefit is we went to a back four and we were still solid. So that's a that's a, a positive if you see that as a it's a four rather than a five. If you see it as a four, um <clears throat> if you see it as a four with two holding midfielders sat in front, it's effectively a back six. 
and then it's a, a compare that to a back three with two flying wing backs, it's completely different. But the fact we change shape, um, which should in theory give us an extra player further up the pitch, um, or centrally, which I think was the key, um, we were, we were still we were solid, and that's that is a positive, I suppose, in terms of that flexibility. And it means that we can play a four or a three and still be equally as solid as we have been before. But we learned nothing in regard to it. You know, maybe I, I was hoping when I saw the lineup, I was like, oh, right, that means that we're probably going to try and be a bit more expansive, try and play on the front foot a little bit more. Um, but it was just the same old issues, you know, relatively hard to beat, decent at the back, but created very, very little. Again. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because we're kind of sitting here thinking, well, we're going to talk about the game. And yeah. I can't remember an out-and-out out chance. Um, the stats say we had five shots, two on target. They had six, one on target. XG, both teams were under one. Uh, it's just... The thing is, it's a, it's actually a decent point. And Mark Kennedy took pelters for his post-match mm. interview where he said we controlled the game well. It was a good point. People are kind of saying, oh, it's not, no, no, it's this, that, and the other. But in actual fact, it is a good point, And it is a clean sheet. And it is, you know... It's not a point we want, and it's only a good point if we go on and take four from at least four from the next two. And I, I think back on the last time you and I did the podcast, I said you look at these three games and you have to take five, six, seven points. You have to, mm-hmm. and and that you know, we'll come on to Burton, of course, at some point. But in that respect, it's a good point. But good points are only good if you back them up with wins. Ipswich was a good point. Bolton was a good point. But then Charlton was was disappointing. Burton on on Boxing Day was disappointing. Port Vale was disappointing. And yeah, Mark and his, I don't know if you've had a chance to see his press conference today as we're recording, which is Thursday. And Mark's kind of said, you know, we're strong, we're organised, all good things are built on solid foundations. Um, we've got, you know, we are solid, we are hard to beat. He said, all we need to do is turn a couple of draws into wins. And I think we're close. He said, and then we'll be up the table. And, and you know what? He's absolutely, he's absolutely right. right. He is. He's absolutely 100% correct. It's just on, on Saturday, I think we all thought there's three points here for us and we didn't get them. So we're disappointed. What he says is absolutely correct. And I agree. I agree. I couldn't agree more. But I'm still disappointed at Saturday, even though I know factually it's a good point. And it's just because I think that I felt like there was three there. Yeah. And I don't feel like we tried to. I didn't think feel like we we wanted to potentially risk anything. So we didn't risk losing a point for the sake of gaining three. We was happy to get one and then move on. Yeah, I, I agree. And do you know what? I, I also think there, there was one or two players, and I don't like single players out, but when you say it didn't look like we went for it, tactically, probably it didn't look like we went for it, but one or two of the players didn't look like they were going for it either. And, and I was disappointed. I keep saying I was disappointed with Tom. Um, and it, it's hard when you're not getting the service, so I'm not just going to jump on him. I'm disappointed a little bit with Jack Diamond of late. Um, gets on the ball, gets his head down, runs, goes nowhere. Reminds me an awful lot of Derek Asamoah when he was at the clubs. Exactly the same sort of thing that fans love him because he gets his head down and he runs and he shoots off and all that sort of stuff. But he just runs down blind alleys. Yeah, I thought, I agree with you on Diamond. I think he's been lucky to be in the team over, say, Charles Vernon, for example, over the last few weeks. I think Charles has been a bit unlucky to miss out a couple of times and where Jack, maybe his... Maybe it would have been better coming off the bench over the last few weeks. I actually thought on Saturday was probably one of his better performances of late. I think he maybe it helped with the shape having someone directly behind him. You know, he knew he you know it was, it was two players on the wing rather than one. Um, maybe that helped. But I, I'm not going to say he was like the best player in the world or you know he kind of ripped it up. But I did feel that he was a little bit more influential. His decision making was slightly better than it was uh, has been in previous weeks. Um, 
so yeah, I agree. I agree on the whole. Like we we all like I like Jack Dunham. We've all seen when he's on form, he's a top player in League One, and he can you know certainly is is one on one dribbling is is outstanding. Um, I feel like that maybe his decision of when to dribble, when to pass, when to cut inside, and when not in previous in in recent weeks maybe hasn't been quite to the level that maybe we'd all hope. But he's a young yeah. player, and he is a young player, yeah. and he's going to have that. This is normally the part of the podcast where I say to Ben, but the stats prove you wrong. Um, but the stats actually prove you right. Dribbles with success, um, MK Dons, Jack Diamond, nine dribbles, five successful. Uh, whereas Charlton, two and one, Ipswich, five and one, Bolton, four and one, Burton, five and two. So uh, even Wickham, seven and one. I mean, he, he's been off the boil really since since Morecambe. And do you know what? Isn't it funny that that's since we've, that was the last time we won a league game. So yeah. if we can keep him firing, I mean, it's, it was actually a, a good return. 56% success rate for his, for his dribbles. Uh, he did similar uh, against Accrington Stanley, to be fair. Um, crossing was more or less the same. Uh, passing, yeah, 11 passes, 7 accurate. But he got two shots off, two on target. Um, and they were... It's the first time he'd got two shots off in a game since Burton Albion Boxing Day. The first time that he'd put two on target in a league game since the one-all draw with Plymouth. So You know what's you know, interesting? He... Just to kind of almost argue against my own point about Vernon, because I felt like Vernon's been a bit unlucky. I suppose the argument you'd have against Vernon is, you know, he is a very similar style of player to Jack Diamond, I think. It's like if you're kind of signing players in profiles, they're a similar profile. I would imagine if you're looking at those stats, comparing those stats from Jack Diamond to Charles Vernon, he's saying that Diamond gets shots off, hits the target often, relatively successful with his triple in when he's on form. I imagine Vernon's numbers, even like the eye test means they're quite similar. Maybe I'm assuming Vernon's numbers are probably weaker, aren't they? Not in terms of dribbles and success. They're, they're, they're not far off. Um, what about end I mean, product then? Yeah, end product. So shots... Actually, Charles Vernon, bar MK Dons, and I don't know how long he came on for, 13 minutes, it didn't really count. Um, but he has a shot on target every single time he has played um, since Bristol City. The only games where he has played more than 20 minutes uh, and not had a single shot, uh, Bristol Rovers away. So Donny, 5-1, and one. Bolton, uh, that was... Bolton Reserves actually Newcastle two and one Newcastle kids Accrington three and three Plymouth two and one uh, the thing is some of Charles Vernon's shots it's easy to say oh well he got a shot on target against Charlton a shot on target against Burton Albion but they can be quite weak efforts um you know sometimes they're they're daisy cutters at the keeper I like Charles I was really disappointed to hear the rumours that um of, uh, of of Grimsby and and they came from somebody I respect a Grimsby. In, uh, yeah, yeah, there are people like that. Um, like a, a Grimsby podcaster I got on well with, who you know knows somebody who, who believes that Charles Vernon, if we were to get another winger in, um, would be would be moving to Grimsby on loan for the rest of the season to get regular football. So, um, you know, that's a rumor that there's legs in. I think more so perhaps than the Hopper one, and I think it would be a disappointment. Um, mm. Crosses as well. Actually, that's probably where Charles is let down a little bit. Um, one attempted cross against Charlton, unsuccessful. One attempted cross against Burton Albion, unsuccessful. I mean, it's a, it's it's amazing how he, he ripped it up actually against Southampton with eight dribbles, six successful, two crosses, two successful, two yeah. shots, one on target, 21 passes. He makes more passes when he's on the pitch, by the way, than Jack, which suggests he's a little less selfish than Jack. Um, 
but yeah, it's interesting. It is interesting. One thing I'd say is Jack Diamond at the end of this season will leave this football club um, and go back to Sunderland. I don't think he's going to be a first-team player at Sunderland. I think he's then likely to make a permanent move into this division. Would you then spend money on him over Charles Vernon? It's 50-50 for me. I think there's a big kind of question mark. Depends what he does for the rest of the season. And depends what the the, uh, finances are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Short answer now is I don't know. Like yeah. in terms of what else is out there, you know, in terms of what we have, if it was relatively affordable for the club on similar on a similar money that he's on now that we're paying, yeah, absolutely, eleven in the squad because we've seen we've seen when he's on form what he can do. Um, I think it's just getting that consistency into his game, which should be the, the question mark at the moment. But that comes with age and experience, doesn't it? It does. And obviously, speaking of finances, um, it's been a big week. Uh, for finances this week around Lincoln City. Uh, the, the smiles off camera there at setting up that segue by Chris. I think it's the first successful one he's set up. It's so cute. It's like watching, you know, like those of you that see, see fit for some reason to have kids the first time you push them off on the bike and they pedal on their own. It's great. It's such a great moment. Um, so speaking of finances, we announced the accounts this um, this week. Now, I got the accounts, to be fair, on a press release a couple of days before. I don't know if, I mean, obviously you can't discuss this, but you may or may not have had some sort of insight into them from the supporters board. Um, we certainly used to uh, when I was on. Um, I, di- I did have a look at them. I'm not particularly a numbers guy. Um, and I can, when I read what the club put out, whilst I appreciate that they're being very transparent, I tend to then want a neutral opinion on the accounts. So hence waiting for Kira Maguire before I put something out. I'd, and, yeah. And, they can be read two ways, and that's the problem with numbers and, and stats like we've just been rolling out there talking about Charles Vernon's shots and shots on target and then how good were they. You can make numbers say anything that you want to say. That's why I like words um, more than numbers. Um, but you know, two million loss, horrifying. £50,000 a week losses, horrifying. But actually, in context of the wider game of football, and when you look deeper into the numbers, 90% of our income going on wages, which is good there's actually positives and negatives, isn't there, in there? Yeah, like you say, context is 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 really interesting. Any other business losing two million quid a year, you you panic, don't you? And what's bizarre is that we're one of the most um, well-run football clubs in the EFL, making the smallest losses out of any clubs in the EFL. We're actually we're actually a beacon of positivity in the EFL in terms of a club being run well. Um, so what's broken isn't Oz, it's football. Football's broken. The fact that every other club is significant, or lots, almost every other football club in the EFL is significantly worse than this. Almost zero clubs making profit at all. Um, you know, a lot of clubs don't put out their, their accounts in anywhere near as much detail as we do as well. So, you know, I suppose there's, there's, there's something to do with that. But the fact that a club are being transparent and wanted to share this information and make it accessible to us all is a real positive and it's actually a privilege. Um but it's also hopefully allows us to give us context and we're thinking, why can't you just go and spend half a million quid on the new centre forward? Well, that's why. <laughs> it's because we haven't got the money to do that. And actually the investment that we do get is going on to infrastructure. A lot of it's on infrastructure. The pitch cost a million quid, but that's going to last us for seasons and seasons and seasons and it's going to attract players. That's going to allow us to play a certain style. Um, obviously, the Stacey West development is is, is going ahead soon. Um, there's, there's lots of positivity in here. Um, and it's just... But obviously, looking losing two million pounds a year is not good. But in football terms, it's fine, and it's a, a loss that was projected by the by the owners and the board that's funded by them, and they're happy to kind of put their hands in their pocket. So this, is, I suppose, is, is the privilege of being on the supporters' boards. Um, and what, what, what this it was literally this time last year 
when they came out last year was my first supporters board meeting and it was the meeting that we went through all the all the finances and a bit of depth and Liam kind of gave a lot of context to it all and he says so how this works is we do some projections at the start of the in the summer the start of the season about what it's going to cost to do x y and z next season that's not just on the pitch that's all the stuff we want to do off the pitch all the little things to keep moving the club forward um how much is it going to cost how much we're going to take in and what is the projected loss going to be for the football club because there is a loss and there just is at the moment because of how football is structured. And then they go to the owners and say, is that reasonable? And they will kind of weigh up the positives and negatives and say yes or no. And then they agree, right, we expect to put our hands in our pockets for this amount of money during the season. Bang, there you go, done. Um, so it's not like this has come out of nowhere. It's not like this wasn't expected. This is all planned for and it's all within kind of set budgets. So it's not as scary as the headlines might sound. Um but it's just what's really big is 2024 because all of the negotiations and the restructuring is meant to be up to 2024. I know the kind of the owners have said that they're more than happy to keep funding the losses until 2024. Um, and then hopefully the, the big picture is going to be positive. You know, we're hopefully going to get more redistribution of wealth from the Premier League, a restructuring of the whole financial model for the AFL, fingers crossed. And independent regulator are going to come in. This is the hope and what is required for football to be fixed and for headlines like Lincoln City made a £2 million loss to not happen anymore. Yeah, good points. And, and the sort of insight that I miss not being on the supporters board, if I'm honest. Um, and, you know, it's certainly not breaking confidentiality when you talk about you know something that's then minuted um, at a later date. So I certainly appreciate that. I think, I think um, like you say, football as a whole, is broken um, uh, and it, it's pure and simple. And, and we could talk all day long, I think, about um, other clubs and the wider context and owners and, and, and those that spend and those that absorb losses. For me, the big key was there's no debt. So the football club's not in debt. So if the owners walk away tomorrow, all that it would take for Lincoln City to continue to be sustainable is scaled down. And that sounds, I know that that sounds, you know, People will go, what do you mean? Well, you know, there would have to be cutbacks, et cetera, et cetera. But there wouldn't be this great big dark cloud looming over that if the owners walked away, what are we going to do? We're, we're, we're saddled with debt. When the owners walk away, they're not taking their, they're not going to go, right, we want our money back like some owners do, um, which people don't always understand that. I think there's a real lack of understanding sometimes around the business of football and how football's run. And I hold my hands up to a degree. That's from me, for me as well. Yeah, well, it's, it, the thing is, it's it's complex, and I'm not going to claim to understand it well at all. You know, I'm not an accountant, and you kind of have to be an accountant to have that sort of understanding to really know the nitty gritty. If anyone doesn't, Gary mentioned Kieran Maguire a few minutes ago, and if anyone doesn't know who Kieran Maguire is, I highly recommend following him on Twitter. Um, it's you might have heard of the Price of Football or the podcast that they do. Um, it's just brilliant. It's absolutely fascinating, and it really helps um, understand some of the inner workings of. Of football in a lot more depth, so he's effectively known as like the like the football finance expert in this country, and that's kind of why you said you didn't want to make any comments until he's commented because you kind of believe what he says. So just want to touch on that because it is bloody confusing, um, and he hopefully allows us to give a little bit of understanding and simplify things a little bit. I think the overriding message is um, we're fine. You know, we're spending 90% of our income on wages. Obviously, that's high, but it's actually quite low compared to most clubs. Almost every club within EFL is over 100%, which is ridiculous. But again, that's not because we're doing anything wrong. It's because football is broken. 
And it's arguably because of the fact of the riches of the Premier League, the disparity between the Premier League and the Championship. Championship clubs attract owners because the clubs are cheap and they can make a quick buck if they get promotion to the Premier League. They invest heavily on squads and transfer fees and wages to try and get to the Premier League. And that obviously creates a bigger disparity then between the Championship and League One. Those Championship clubs are, are prepared to spend way over what they earn with the promise or hope of the Premier League riches, it's that those gaps need need plug-in. The financial distribution has to be fairer. And when it is, hopefully in 2024, then these sort of things will, will not be quite as much of a worry. And then when you do see headlines of a club making a loss, it is, it is a concern. And it is because the club is actually maybe not being ran properly. But for us at the moment, we're in as pretty much as healthy a state as we possibly can be to be sustainable as sustainable as possible and competitive in league one um so i mean what what kind of other uh, other things do we did you pick up on in the in the accounts because one thing you mentioned earlier you said on stacy west developments going ahead but people should be aware that because there was some there was some lazy really lazy assumptions made around the accounts which i want to kind of put to bed and things like well why are we pressed ahead with the stacy west when we're not investing in the playing budget we are the playing budget's up um oh well why are we play, paying more for what are clearly rubbish you know worse players was was something i saw which which was ludicrous because these accounts actually go back to the the bridge cut and the Maguire kind of thing and they cover the John Marquis coming in and the Brook Norton Coffee and those loans so it's not you know we haven't we're not paying more for what we have now we might be I don't know but nobody can actually say that and then we hear things like well the backroom staff why are we paying money to Jez George stealing living from the club and and like whatever your personal opinion of Jez and there are a lot of people who have got an opinion of him having not met him um it's you know, we have a director of football. That's something that happens in football. Now it's so easy to say, well, the manager should be making his signings and his own players, but then you, that just doesn't happen anymore as, though. That doesn't happen anymore. What, that's modern football has a structure so that we can then recruit people in simple, simple roles and you're not completely overhauling the whole staff and the whole mentality of the club. It's good to have a structure like that. Almost every football club, a successful club has that. One of the reasons that Man United, um, so Ben will be interested in this. Uh, one of the reasons that Man United were probably so far <laughs> uh, were so far um, behind the other top clubs in the country and why they're taking them so long to get back was probably because how autonomous Alex Ferguson was. Other clubs had got ahead in their structure. He was so brilliant to everything and did everything. But when they removed that, they had to try and find a way of building that structure in and kind of catch up because they were left behind hugely off the, off the pitch. And they're probably just about getting there now, I would say. Um, it's really successful or really sensible, sorry, to have that structure off the pitch. I think the challenge comes when um, these people that we don't hear from, we don't know what they do. We don't hear from them very often. We're not involved in the inner workings of the club. We just see the end result of what they've had a part in. So from, our perspective with Jess George, it's the transfer. So we see players coming in, players coming out. He's not the only person involved in it, but the only thing that we get to see what Jez does, that's the only thing that we know from a fan perspective is the outcomes of which players come in the club and then how they do in retrospect and which ones leave. And it's very, very easy to then just to look at the ones that maybe haven't been quite successful and think, oh, he's shit at his job then and completely forgetting about all the positive trans transfers that we have. And let's not also forget the amount of... Um, work that might go into trying to attract a player to a club and then they go somewhere else but if you're trying to identify the right players and you're doing the right things and doing the right processes and then then overall that that comes to fruition hopefully so 
we don't know what he does or that you know the average fan doesn't know what he does and it's an easy it's an easy stick to poke isn't it the Talksport fan network is proudly supported by muck delivery bringing you the food you love muck delivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door including my favorite the quarter pounder with cheese mm. no matter the result you'll always be winning with muck delivery so the only thing left to say is are you in Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Yeah, and, and there is a lot of that, I think, on... I, I, I'm trying to stay away from social media, but there is a lot of that kind of... It's, when I say lazy, I mean, that's quite aggressive language to some people, which which is probably out of, you know, a, a little bit out of order, but... It, some of the um, commentator commenting is, is is from a position of um, I'm trying to steer around saying things like ill-informed or whatever. But do you know what I mean? It's coming from a position of no knowledge, but trying to project an image of knowledge. And, and also, I, I buy that. I, I understand why people say question everything. But then at the same time, you know, if you question everything, you're just like a child going, why, why? 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 Whereas if you understand what's going on, you know where to point the questions and where to go. OK, that's fine. And, you know, I, 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 people ask people saying, what does just do it? Just do, etc. OK, fine. I, I buy that. If you don't know, I don't know. But just calling him rubbish because, you know, anecdotal evidence that three Cambridge fans that you spoke to didn't like him. Do you, do you know what I mean? For me, it, it bears no real relation to the accounts. And I just think that the accounts, when they come out, are always an opportunity for people to go to wield their axe. So for people who, let's say, I mean, there was a turnover of staff in the summer. Uh, yeah, it's not nice when people lose their jobs. There were some supporters who knew people who lost their jobs. And yet those supporters then are ready to wield the axe over the person that's done the firing, if you know what I mean, or the, or the moving on. And you know, a, a massive sympathy to the players, the people that lost their jobs or that moved on. But I've been in a business where that's happened. It happens for a reason. And you then think the person that's done it's an arsehole. Whereas in actual fact, they're kind of carrying out things from further up and further on. Jess George is answerable to the board. He is answerable to Clive Nates. And whilst in my, this is just my opinion and it's not bumlicking, I'm not connected to the club in any way now. I don't do anything at all that I can imagine that I can think of for the club um, whatsoever. But my opinion is if Clive Nace is involved in the process at some point, I'm happy because for me, he's he's not put foot wrong. He's got the best interest. At heart. The reason we're talking about two million pounds worth of losses and going, yeah, but it's manageable is because Clive came in. It's because he's attracted people to the football club with a similar ethos. And it's because he's put money in that he's earned from his business uh, where he's been an absolutely massive success. Well, this man's involved in our football club. I will feel confident that both the people 
and the, 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 the processes that we go through are as robust as they can be. And nobody gets everything right and everything wrong. Clive's not there day in, day out. But if he trusts somebody to a degree, I trust somebody as well from a football perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't echo that more. And obviously, like I am semi-attached. Like, so obviously, I'm on the supporters probably meet once every two months, you know, to, to have a, a quick chat about some things that are upcoming to try and Stooge. get supporters. The idea, but the thing is, the idea behind it is to try and get supporters' opinions on matters. So they're not just doing it blindly. They're not just doing what they think. They want to get our opinion so that they can have, you know, they have the best interests at heart. And then I feel like it's an absolute, a huge privilege. I've been there about a year or so. I've been involved in it now. So it's like maybe had five or six meetings in that time. And it's an absolute privilege to be to be involved. But it's also really valuable as well from the club's perspective to have that input from, and it's just regular people like like us. It really is. Um, so, but I also know that I do then fortunately get a little bit of extra information that maybe the average supporter doesn't. So you do have that little bit more context, I suppose, which means that we're maybe able to have these slightly more informed opinions than someone that just doesn't have the privilege of that information. You know, that's that's not anyone's fault. That's just the, that's the way things are. And I get why people are concerned. Sometimes anger comes from a place of worry, doesn't it? And one thing I was going to mention is, um, I think, and it's not just football fans, it's just human nature. Um, we like things to be quite binary. Is it good? Is it bad? You know, and, and as simple as that. Should I have it? Shouldn't I have it? You know, I, I work in weight management and, you know, a lot a lot of our, our teaching is, is trying to re-educate people on food about it's not just good and bad. You know, that there's a lot more um, to it than that. And I think maybe as football fans, that kind of translates a little bit as well. Um, so when we look at the accounts, some of us will look at it and go, oh, that's all. it's all good then. That's fine. Uh, and some of us will look at it. It's all bad then. That's bad. And it's worrying. Whereas in reality, there's so much more context to it. It's a lot more of a grey area. And I think... You know, that's just that's just human nature more than anything. Cool. Now we've I just I'm going to move on, and I, I you know mainly because um, we've got a, a schedule that we were trying to stick to, um, and we're already massively behind. Uh, so I've got Shadipo possibly in Cummins uh, to talk about, and Burton Albion to talk about next. Uh, we've got Ed Walker from D three D four and Jake to squeeze in. Uh, so we, we may have to speed through some bits at the moment, but we also, we alluded to um, a big announcement. Uh, and so I think for the time being, what I'm just going to do is, is just drop Chris out of audio, if that's okay, Chris, um, because I'm not sure how the feed will, will steam up, uh, will feed up. Uh, and this is actually a Stacey West special now, because it will be the first ever episode, I think, where all four of us uh, have, have been on at one time, because obviously we'll have Jake with D3, D4, we've got me, we've had Chris, and now we've got the main man himself, Mr. Ward, joining us. How are we doing, Ben? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, very good. I'm, I'm actually pleased because I've just heard your your feed, and it sounds as muffled and as bad to me as Ben's feed, do, as uh, Chris's feed Chris's. does. So, yeah, it's my internet. And I, yeah, I Chris, Chris sounded fine to me on the uh, on the on the thing there. So that's cool. Do I sound fine, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you the right good. answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Your video feed's freezing as well, so it's definitely my internet. So yay for shit internet. So indeed, we've brought you in not to talk about football. Thankfully, says everybody. Um, instead, we've brought you in. Uh, we've got a bit of an announcement, and we wanted to do it together because. Yep. You know, it's it, it it's a pretty big thing. I'm going to hand over to you because you you've been involved primarily in the in the first instance. 
What's happening on February the 9th, Thursday, at the Legends Lounge in Sulbank, Ben? Uh, we are going to be doing episode 200 of the Stacey West podcast live in front of an audience. A big audience as well, isn't it? What, well, and funnily enough, what's the capacity? Uh, the capacity is between 200 and 250. Uh, oh, well, why did you have to say that? Why didn't you just say 200 for episode 200? Well, you know, we can... I we set can it leave up us. for you. Well, you know... <laughs> if we can get 250, would you prefer 250, though? That's the question. We're never going to get 250. No, we're not going to get 250. Um, but no, yeah, it's going to be a very, very special evening. Um, we kind of uh, we kind of mentioned it to some folks at the club um, as, as a potential idea, and uh, the club have been very accommodating with us. They have decided that, yes, we can have uh, use of the Legends Lounge, um, who who have we got, Ben? Come on, who have we got? I'm, I'm getting there, uh, and we're getting there be, too slowly. Come on, we, we will be joined um, by Mark Kennedy himself and Danny. <gasps> <Bishop>. <laughs> You're going to do a bomb drop every time. I think you froze then, just as you went boom. So your did, face is like. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to be joined by uh, by Mark Kennedy. We're going to be joined by Danny Butterfield. Um, we're going to be joined by uh, Liam Scully as well. And um, the talk is as well. We're going to have a current player and um, i believe the talk at the moment is potentially having paulie o'connor along um that may change depending on schedules um and i believe you're working on a couple of bits as well um yeah. so for that i'm side. working so we're, we're talking you're you're kind of talking there about the pod so that's going to be available to everybody to listen to on the night we want to do a couple of little bits potentially um so i'm hoping at the minute i spoke to gavin gordon about bringing a couple of former players in and we might do a little bit of a quiz between a couple of former players we might do something with people in the audience we might pull a couple of randomers out the audience and i might put one of my famous quizzes together just to fill fill the gap um the bar will be open yep there will be food i believe available for sale as well um and so we're going to try and maybe break it up into three sections so that there will be 15 minute breaks in between each so you can wet your whistle whatever takes your fancy fill your face with sausages um or, or, or whatever they have so it's going to be a, i think it's going to be probably a little bit more of a social event than um, yeah. than it has been in the past yeah um i mean so the, the the plan that we've sort of come up with for the for the podcast side of it we're looking at probably around 245 minute sections so you know with a 15 minute break because we're at Central Bank and that's what we do um and I thought yeah that was a, a decent uh, decent idea um and then yeah a little bit of a, a social thing um say hello to folks and you can you know meet Mark you can meet Danny you can meet, uh, you can meet us and meet us if you really want to Chris will um, be there Chris will be there unfortunately Jake uh, Jake won't be there as he uh, he's mm. got a, a a birthday meal for for his uh, for old man Todge so yeah, no one no, no one needs to know that well no you know, know it's, so it, it's just to dispel any rumors of a fallout <laughs> given given that we're on 42 minutes uh, and and um, basically we've we've dragged the pod out as we always seem to although last week you ran over the hour so it's Chris we did, that's yeah. at fault so it's Chris's fault and he's waiting in the wings i can see him he's pulling a face um, so <laughs> Basically, who's this open to, Ben? Open to literally anybody. Um, it's uh, it's it's on a guest list basis because um, we don't just want to say, look, just turn up and and away you go, just in case. And I'm v- I'm very aware that the chances of this are slim, but just in case, 
um they can't fit everybody in the room um but it's going to be uh, it's going to be open to everybody gaz will give you the email address that you need to get in touch with surely um and what we would ask is if you do come along on the door um we will be taking donations for the lincoln city foundation um so you know just chuck a few quid in the bucket um and come and enjoy a decent night of uh a, a decent night of um, entertainment, I suppose. Yeah, the the idea behind the formation, the foundation, is they do a weekly warming up hub, mm-hmm. um, which is where people from the local area can go to the Legends Lounge or Sinsel Bank, and they can kind of get stay warm, uh, given the cost of living and how fucking cold it is out there at the minute. And and there's other kind of facilities there for the local community. So, um, yeah, we're doing. Uh, voluntary donations on the door so there'll be a bucket collection um there'll be somebody i would imagine from the foundation we might uh chris will be there on the day whether he'll be on the door checking guest lists and things we'll get him to um he'll have to lackey with no jake so um he'll have to lackey a little bit and um, if you want to come you need to drop us an email uh and it is stacywestpodcast at gmail.com um we will i'll put that email in the bio for the podcast um, we will then when I release the podcast tomorrow, uh, we'll we'll repeat the email. We'll put it out there. You have to be on the guest list to come in um, because obviously we, we can't just make it a free for all. Even if we don't think we're going to get anywhere near 200, we can't just make it a free for all because of obviously health and safety and all that sort of stuff. So if you want to come, let us know. You can ask for a couple of tickets. So if you're listening now and you want to bring your wife, your partner, your lover away from your wife, your husband, your husband and your lover and your wife, whatever you've got, doesn't matter. Um, don't message in. Show. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Well, but don't message in and say, "Can I have ten tickets?" It's not fair. Um, yeah. And don't message in and say, "Can I have eight tickets?" If you're only going to dole out five tickets, so you know, ideally, probably four per person um, would be reasonable. I would advise no kids. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's honest. a fair, fair one. Yeah, I mean, 14, 15 is, is probably different to, you know, eight or nine, but I, I would advise now, I would advise 16 upwards personally. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if they listen to the podcast and you think, oh, maybe, maybe you know, tone down on the effing and jeffing boys and, you know, yeah. probably, you know, if they're, if they're suitable for the podcast, they may well be suitable for the live event, I would imagine. Yeah. But then some some parenting standards are different um, because, you know, I, I was punished for swearing at seven years old and my punishment was being taken to my first ever football match and bought a programme and a, 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 a drink and a, a chocolate bar, which wasn't really punishment. We lost 4-1, but dad didn't know that beforehand. Was so he, was re- he was rewarding swearing. If you're a parent <laughs> that rewards bad behaviour, um, yeah. don't bring don't don't turn up with your six year old and go listen to this guy call listen to this guy call the ginger a prick four times in an hour or whatever don't do that don't i was gonna say that. you got back from that football match called your dad a shithead and he took you to another one uh, um, no i did the week after i actually dived deliberately in well i dived in dog shit after we beat Swin- swansea four nil and he had to wash it off me in the bath before uh before mum got home for taking poor shopping so, so that, that's that's the announcement do you have anything to add ben before i kick you out um, yeah, I just want to say thanks to to the folks. Oh, at the club. don't start that again. We can thank them on the night. No, I'm saying I, you know, it's it just you know, thanks for, for making then. it possible. That's it. Thank thanks you. for making it possible. It's just very much appreciated. To be fair, Adam Chantry's been a, a legend. He has over it. Absolutely, he has been a legend over it. So no, that's good. So Ben, thank you for giving us your time. No worries. It'll be me and you next week. So if people have heard this banter and thought, that's what I want. I'm not interested in people knowing about football. Um, listen to Ben uh, and me next week. Yeah. All right. See you later, guys. <laughs> See you later, mate. Bye. Well, that all sounds very exciting. I'm looking it forward does, to it. It does, doesn't it? Wait. 
It does, doesn't it? So, yeah, it'll be good. It's a shame, obviously, Jake can't be there. We can't have the whole team together. It would be nice to have had a team photo. We nearly got enough for a fire side. So, um, but yeah, it, it should be good. So, get yourselves down there. Um, hopefully, we will have had some good results um, to kind of talk about. I don't really want to be going there on the back of defeats. Um, and that could start this weekend against Burton Albion. Now, before me and Chris give you our insights, um, Jake, the, uh, the 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 other member of our podcast team, has been speaking to Ed Walker from D3D4 Football, who is also a Burton Albion fan. Uh, and this is what he's got to say on the matter. Um, right then. There's only one place to start, Ed, and that would be the 3-0 win for Burton on Boxing Day. Uh, obviously, there's not much point about talking about your season because we know about it, but probably our worst performance of the season, probably your best, one of your better performances. I won't say it's yep. your best because I, I don't know, but um, talk to me about that game from from, from a, a Burton point of view because some Lincoln, I, I, I've tried to erase it out my, uh, well, out my head. The way I basically understand it was just a dominant first half where everything yeah. just went perfectly. That early goal from Hughes... Uh, the cracker from Johnny Smith, he had a bit of a penalty and just out of sight. And then the job was just done. Um, I wasn't at the game, but to my understanding, it, everything just went perfectly to plan on the day. And I think they did a great work isolating someone like Jack Diamond as well, who of course has been such a key player to you too. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> it, it would appear, obviously, I was um, unfortunately in that away terrace. Um, it just seemed that you were able to to bully us a little bit. Um, ha- has that been the case with, with Burton this year? They've been able to sort of use their physicality against the smaller teams to, 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 to win? It's generally been the way they have tried to play, yep. I think when we're at our best, we're a very physical side, make great use of set piece. We have Tom Amos throw, the deliveries of Terry Taylor. Sam Hughes is normally the target, as you found out to your own detriment yes. in the last two meetings we've had with you. Um, I mean, you'll be pleased to know as Lincoln fans that Sam Hughes is currently injured at the moment. I highly, highly doubt he's going to make a miraculous return on Saturday. So mm. that'll be good news here as well. And it, it's us at our best. We're, we're a very physical, aggressive side. I don't care about the aesthetics. I just care as long as they get the points. And mm. when we're at our best with our set-piece threat, it's nice to have. Um, it's good having a set-piece threat, but the worry as well is that we find sometimes we're relying on that. There's a bit of a worry sometimes that sometimes we need that corner to be swung in right. We need that throw to cause damage. Otherwise, nothing's coming to open play. It's just a bit of a concern at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, we are in the in the window. We spoke about what you might want in the window uh, back on Boxing Day. But we're halfway through. You've signed a couple of players. Um, one, in fact, maybe an hour ago before we recorded. Uh, and most importantly, you've kept your star striker at the moment, Adam Viejo, who completely wound the Lincoln fans up with his celebration with it with his penalty but you know what that's fine <laughs> that um, felt a bit, I've got to be honest that felt a bit necessary to me like that's rubbing it in yeah wait, the 3-0 the 3-0 yeah um, do you know, it, it felt like I was being stabbed with a butter knife has he got uh, previous with you or something because it felt like he no, had that no I just, no I just, I, I just think he was uh, just you know just being a cock but uh, anyway that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine well, he's not scored um, since so maybe that's backfired on him Obviously, there's been a lot of rumours of him. He was linked with mm. Wigan quite heavily. Yeah. Um, he's been linked with a few moves to the Championship with, with various clubs. Um, how would you assess the window? Because you brought in a couple of good players as well. Uh, I think I think it's probably been okay. I, I don't know whether I maybe delve around the sort of five, six out of ten mark at the moment because of what we kept. Adebayo was the one we definitely want to keep. Um, I'm getting more and more confident now because I thought it would be gone by now. However, yeah. the last two windows, we've lost our main goal scorer on deadline day. So I'm not getting ahead of myself. 
if the rumours start spiralling around on the 31st, I'm going to lose my mind because it probably means he's <laughs> off. We lost Jefferson this time last year mm. on deadline day. Gaston Admir was our top scorer. Went to Ipswich on deadline day in the summer as well, so we're a bit hesitant around that. But he's someone we have to keep. And then some of the other players as well. Sam Hughes will stay now because he's not fit. So I think that basically rules out the chance of him going anywhere. And then the other one probably is Terry Taylor, our, our deep midfielder, who everything seems to be quiet on the front at the moment, which is good. So yeah, I, 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 I think the side that actually impressed me uh, and one that I definitely thought you need to make was McGillivray coming into the building. Um, mm. Look, the, is it Garrett, the goalkeeper? I, I, I don't think he's a bad keeper, but I think McGillivray is a, a level up. We saw him uh, a couple of weeks after we, we came to the Pirelli at Charlton. I thought he was actually really impressive. Yeah. So, um, looks like a really good signing as well. Obviously, he's got loads of experience at this level. Um Obviously, we, we, we talk about how hunky-dory it was for you to beat Lincoln on Boxing Day, but since then, yeah, your face has dropped because you know what's coming. Um, it's not been great, has it? I'm uh, still in 2022, by the way. I haven't got to the new year yet. <laughs> still waiting to arrive. So, so, so talk to me about that, because obviously you, you lost 5-0 to Morecambe. Um, you lost 4-0 to Shrewsbury. You even, I'm pretty sure, you even lost to our neighbours in the Cup as well, which we yep. will not forgive you for. So, um, what's gone wrong, Ed? Good question. I'm still trying to work it out, to be honest. Um, we we followed up that Lincoln win away at Thoris Green, picked up a 2-1 win. It was a real slog fest. Could have gone either way. Ben Garrett saved a penalty at 1-0. We got a second goal and they scored in the 93rd and couldn't grab an equaliser. So, it was it was a one of those wins that you, you're absolutely relieved to get and you really milk the most of it because you're on that terrace on the side of the pitch and you get yeah. to celebrate with the players afterwards, which was great. And at that point, we were outside the bottom four on goals scored. That was the difference. Accrington were in there by having scored less goals. We had the same goal difference as them. But you look at that and think, right, Morecambe next, Lincoln to come, Shrewsbury to come, let's get clear. And New Year's Day was a disaster of... Biblical proportions. <laughs> um, it, it was really strange. From my understanding, I wasn't there. I, I never wanted to go. I didn't go because I had. I kind of had this deep down thing that they might win. I didn't think they win five nil, mm. but from my understanding, it was it was the worst example of playing a high line that football's probably ever seen, and it was persisted with even when it clearly wasn't working. So Burton's high line would be right on the halfway line. Morgan would play simple balls over the top in behind. Ben Garrett would come out of goal. And Ben Garrett out of goal is not a good goalkeeper out of goal at all. He had got caught with a real disaster class from him as well. And Morgan went and ran absolutely ragged on the day. Picked up what I think was their second win in a row. Or was it the third win in a row? I think it was the second win in a row. They're now out the bottom floor, of course, yeah. and got clear as well. So it's been pivotal for them. And I think it's part of the reason maybe my McGillivray's come in. I, I would add, by the way, on the McGillivray thing, yes, I'm very happy about the signing. But the lad has been playing ahead of him for the last two games is a young lad called Jordan Amisa, yeah. who's coming on loan from Sheffield United. Um, I don't know why McGillivray didn't start against Shrewsbury on Saturday. I'm not quite sure what the reason mm. for that is. I would hope he hasn't come from the Charlton bench to the Burton bench. That's not a good decision at all. So I would hope to see him in the team on Saturday over Amisa. But maybe Dean's preferring Amisa at the minute, and that might raise a few eyebrows to some people. Um, yep, so that's brilliant. Really like Ed. Uh, really informative. Obviously, D3, D4 football. He knows his stuff. He's one of those people that doesn't try and blag you. Um, he knows what he's talking about. Um, so I respect that. Chris, how do you see it going? Well, I remember we had a chat before the Boxing Day game, previewed the game away at Burton, and I was all roses, really positive about it all, thinking it was a real big opportunity for us to go and get three points. And we were shite. Um, and we got battered, absolutely hammered, didn't turn up on the day. Really uncharacteristic from us. Um, so 
if that result hadn't happened, I'd probably feel similar about this one upcoming. Um, but I've got a little bit in the back of my mind. We know they have got some danger in their squad. But their recent results are encouraging for us. Um, so their last three games, uh, lost 4-0 to Shrewsbury in the league, lost 1-0 to Grimsby in the FA Cup, lost 5-0 to Morecambe in the league. Um, that's pretty bad. Um, in that time, they've only had a couple of shots on target in all three games combined. So they're, they're on a really, really bad run at the moment. So if we if there's any time to play them, it's after three defeats in a row like that without scoring a goal and hardly having a shot. Even, you know, us that don't create a lot of chances and, you know, maybe struggle to put the ball in the net ourselves. You know, if we can't do it against Burton on the form they're currently on, then maybe we have something to worry about. So in the back of my mind, I'm still hurting a little bit from, from Boxing Day, but at the same time, all the all the numbers, all the stats, all the information that's out there is suggesting a Lincoln City victory. Um, yeah, <laughs> do you know what? It's it's almost like I don't want to say it um, because every time I say it, it doesn't happen. This is this is the big test. Um, we we spoke about MK Dons being one we've got to win, but you know it's away from home. They've got decent players. It's a little bit different. We've done well against Bolton. We've done well against Ipswich. The Charlton game wasn't great. The Accrington game at home, to be honest, no recognised left back in the in the cup, and it was the cup. And Ben House has been out. And Sean Rowan's been out. Mike uh, Michael, bloody hell! Mark has said in his pre in his, um, interview today, Ben House is back. Sean Rowan's back. Um, we should have. Um, Midish Depot, who we'll mention in, in a while, he's likely to start. You know, Danny Mandrew, fit and firing. Jack Diamond looks like he may, may be returning to form. Was, wasn't, you know, as the numbers pointed out, he wasn't that bad against MK Dons. I thought you know, my perception was that he was, but it's, you know, the eye test versus fact. Um, but it's the thing that we don't do well, isn't it? And that we haven't done well for several seasons now is beat the teams we're meant to. And that goes back into Michael's reign. And to a degree, it even goes back into a little bit into Danny's reign, you know, crew at home when they were really struggling and we got beat 4-1 and stuff like that. So um, Lincoln City struggled to take the teams apart that they're meant to. This is this is a big test for me. If we go into Saturday and we come out of it and we've only got a draw, right, hand on heart, no matter, people will shout now at it, not the worst thing. Because if we could then beat Cambridge, I say we need a minimum of four from the next couple and you need to, to win one at least to put somebody further from arm's length. But this is a game where you look at it and think, well, if we do come out of it with a draw, that's our level. Because we can go and draw at, at, at Sheffield Wednesday when we play them or Derby. We can back to the wall. We can get our fighting point. But at some point, you have to get the three. You just have to make sure that we stay... Between now and the end of the season, you have to make sure that your points tally is more than your games played because we've played 25 games, I believe, at the moment. So that leaves us with 21 games left to go. Um, and if we were to get more points than games played, that means as a bare minimum, we would have 52 points at the end of the season. If we have 52 points at the end of the season and go down, we'll be the only team to be relegated on 52 points in the last 20 odd years from this division. So you have to get some positives and you assume we will lose games. So you have to make sure that you, you know, for every two games you lose, you win a game. That's what we have to do between now and the end of the season. We either draw or every time we lose two, we win one and that gets the points hauled back up. This is an opportunity. The next two games, in fact, the next three games are because Accrington at home. I can't see us winning three games back to back. I would love it if we did. Nine points from those for me would then have us going into February and me going, do you know what? 
we're happy. I'm happy now that we're going to stay up. Right now, I'm not. This time next week, I'll have a clearer indication of whether we're going to be in a relegation battle or not. And it's purely and simply based on the fact of whether we've been able to find a way to beat a team we're meant to beat. And so far, we've only done that once this season. That was Morecambe at home. Every other team we're meant to beat at home, we've drawn against. This is, for me, this is a massive, massive game and no mistake. Yeah, I agree. It's absolutely enormous. And you mentioned that, that if we don't win, we know what our level is. And that's, I, I agree. And the problem is, that means our level is a relegation battle. Yeah. If we win this and we're clearly, clearly, we go, oh yeah, we are that little, just that little small, of a, like, like, that kind of half tier above the teams that are struggling. We're fine. And that's, I think it changes the whole perception of the club in a way. It's, it's, it's big because it changes the whole mentality around the season because this season isn't about really anything other than progression, is it? Let's be honest. No. It's about staying in the league, developing young players and, and putting the foundations in place for you know, progression over the next few years. But what we absolutely don't want to be in is a, is a relegation battle. And so this season will be a success if we're comfortably away from that relegation zone um, and never really looking like we're in that battle. Um, so Saturday is a real huge opportunity to give us the confidence to believe that that is the case and that's where we are. Don't win. Uh, you know, Even if, like you said, on, on the face of it, it's another home point. A point is fine as long as it beat Cambridge. But it also means that we haven't won a game of football in the league for a very long time. And that then becomes it's, it becomes psychological from a playing perspective as well, doesn't it? Because you know it's, it's like that psychological barrier that just stops the ball going in the net. Like you have to find that momentum is huge in football. You can't you can't quantify it. It's not tangible, but it exists, and we all know it exists because you see it every year, every every week. Um, we get that. It, it wouldn't surprise me if we beat Burton, and it's an if. But let's imagine we did. We'd also go and beat Cambridge. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I can see that. And you actually say about how long we've been. It's January the 19th now as we're recording. It's been two months today since we last won in the league. And that was Morecambe at home, 2-1, because it was my birthday, November 19th. Um, and that was a team that we should have beaten and we did beat. And we made hard work of it, if I remember. We were really good. And then and did they score late on and made it? Yeah, we started bit... the game, like the first 15, 20 minutes, we were scintillating in that game. Yeah. And then it, like Fleet it was a bit turgid after that, yeah. Yeah, I, d- I just think we've got to press it home. We've got to play with a certain amount of freedom. But the, the thing is, if you get a 1-0 lead and it's 60-65 minutes, the temptation for us is going to be to defend that lead back to the mm-hmm. wall as we do against would, Derby. And, yeah, I would love for know. us to go and let's let's let's, hang on, let's let's kind of wave the magic wand and, and kind of put what my dream is and what we hope happens. And also, it's not like an unrealistic hope because it's things that I think we're capable of doing on, our, on, a, on a good day is us getting an, a, a relatively early lead. But then... Yeah keeping the same mentality and then going and getting a second. And if we do that, yeah. it's game over, we win the game because we know we can keep teams out. Um, Apart from Fleetwood. Of course. Yeah, all right. On the, on the whole, <laughs> you know, on the whole, this season, that has been a strength of ours. It's been, you know, keeping teams out. But obviously, if you're giving up a certain number of chances, it just, it's just probability that one goes in. But it's very unlikely that we'll concede two um, if, we, if, we, if we score two, uh, I think. So, yeah. I agree. It'd be really nice for us to try and play a game on the front foot. Still keep those... You know, same kind of um, characteristics that we've shown about hard work and about being hard to beat, etc. But mm. let's go and let's go and have a go. It's it's really difficult to predict lineup, isn't it? So you know, I, I think you've got good odds on on Saturday predicting both teams to line up in a four-two-three-one um, when both of them had been playing a back three for weeks on end. Um, yeah. And when we played Burton away, obviously we were setting our our our, our kind of our, our three-four-two-one, um, and Burton matches on that day. But in the last three games, they've been a four-two-three-one as well, according to um, the website I looked at earlier. Um, 
but they've lost all three games. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, it's actually probably going to be very difficult to predict kind of system wise. But let's be honest, I think I think a lot of it is about individuals and a lot about ethics, like team ethics on 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 Saturday. If we play to our potential and if they stay low on confidence like they are, we, we should win the game. But we got stung having that expectation to just go and turn up and beat a team on Boxing Day. It stung us. So I'm hoping because we got stung on Boxing Day actually means that we're going to be really switched on to it on Saturday. Yeah, and, and one person I think that you can predict probably will play uh, is new signing Midi Shadipo, which is our last order of business. Um, you you would hope to see him play. What I look, what I like the look of Shadipo. He's been here, he's done it before. Yeah, you know, and not a Jordan Garrett kind of did he or didn't he do it at Plymouth? You know, he, he looked like he did it at Plymouth, but he was in and out of the team. But Shadipo was a key player for Oxford, I think, as they made it through to the playoff semi-finals the year we went to the the playoff final. So. Um, he's a player that has been at this level and done it before. Struggled at Sheffield Wednesday last year, but with injuries. I think that he might just add what we hoped Jordan Garrick was going to add and didn't. And he's that a little bit more kind of direct running on the other flank. Um, so to kind of compliment Jack Diamond, to take maybe the pressure off Jack a little bit when the ball's all you know constantly out to Jack. Let's let Jack do it, let Jack do it. Um, and, and also probably... You know, allow Andrew to play more central. So I think Moshe Depot looks a decent signing on paper. I always hold off opinion until I've seen a player play for a couple of times, but probably the right sort of loan signing for what we need. Yeah, I, I think on paper it's a great signing. Um, from like a, not just a squad depth, maybe a slightly tactical perspective, it could be really helpful. Because one thing I've noticed in previous weeks is obviously when we first started playing Jack, um, he was a real threat and was was brilliant. Let's be honest, he was great for the first few weeks. Um, and, and teams clearly have recognise that he's a, he's a threat. Um, also, not necessarily when we're playing a 4-2-3-1, but we played that with Ted on on, on Saturday, so it kind of meets, makes the point stand anyway. But certainly when we were playing our, our back three with the, the two in behind the striker, and one was often Jack and maybe Ver, um, Vernon, but was often, I think our, I think Kennedy's preferred to, was Mandroya and, and Diamond, wasn't it? And yeah. what that, obviously, I, me and Ben discussed last week about... Um, how much we like Danny Mandrugia when we think he's a really clever and intelligent footballer. What he isn't, though, is he's not got... He's, he's not slow, but he's not got blistering pace. He's not going to run yeah, with the ball, yeah. take three or four plays on. He's not going to receive the ball on the edge of our third and run with it up the pitch and, and win you a free kick on their third and get you up the pitch. So he's the only player, really, in our start, on our, in most of our starting lineups who is like an out ball on the deck, given the ball in triple, rather than just clearing it up the pitch, given the ball... And you'll run up the pitch. Now, I think what's happened is teams have recognised that that's a threat. Teams have recognised that that's an out ball for us. And he, the amount of fouls that Jack... I haven't looked at the stats for this, but the eye test, the amount of fouls that Jack receives in areas where players aren't going to get bookings. So like an, on the halfway line, just inside our halfway, he's received it deep and he just tries to get us up the pitch. Um, it's quite a lot. But I think that's quite easy to recognise and it's an easy trigger to, from like a, a tactical perspective from the opposition to go, right, when he gets the ball, you make sure he doesn't get into danger. You give him a little talk, you give him a little foul, he's their out ball, even double up on him. What Shadipo could provide is the same threat and the same out ball on the other flank. And if they both play together, if we do play a 4-2-3-1 with Mandroyo in a 10 and we have those out balls on both flanks, from a defensive perspective from the opposition, that's that's a bigger challenge. In my opinion, I, and I think that could be interesting to see. We've seen Shadipa for what 15, 20 minutes on Saturday, hardly had a kick really. So we can't judge anything on that. So I hope he starts. I think it'd be great for us to see um, to see a new, new player start. We all like to see new players get get get, get opportunities. 
Um, I think it'd be really interesting to see him and Diamond on both flanks with Mandrew in a ten role, um, and to see to see how we kind of how we structure that because every time we've played a front three, so even when we played four three three earlier in the season, played four two three one on um, on Saturday, we've tended to play a, a kind of a more creative sort of player um, on one side. So Bishop did it earlier in the season before his injury, Mandrew did it, and then we've also on the other wing we've tended to play like a real a more direct runner. It'd be interesting to see if we're going to go with a ten, actually creator, and you can have two direct runners on the flanks. It's uh, it, it probably suits the type of style of football that Mark Handy wants to play. So it'll be really interesting, but we'll have to wait and see. I think picking up on your point um, briefly, and I'll, I'll I'll kind of speed it along because we're over again as we always are. Um, Jack Diamond is the in terms of um, cumulative rather than per ninety minutes is the twenty third most fouled player um, in League One. Uh, with 33 fouls, which is joint with Marcus Brown um, and a couple of others. I'm uh, guessing he must be the most fouled in our team then, is he? Yeah, yeah, he is, yeah. And then after that, oddly, Paudi O'Connor uh, has been fouled 31 times. So I think that's in- interesting. Uh, and But per 90 minutes, there isn't a single Lincoln City player in the top uh, in the top 30 per 90 minutes. The player who suffered the most amount of fouls per 90 minutes has just moved to St Pauli. Ah, Mr. Mr. Elbow Smash. So um, there we go. Right. So that's, I think, all the order of business done. Uh, We've had the announcement. Just to recap, live podcast, February the 9th. Email stacywestpodcast at gmail.com. Get yourself on the guest list. Um, Must do that. I just want to touch on the Burton game. Obviously, um, recently we, we, uh, as a fan base, um, lost Marcus Needham. Really sad loss. Uh, Great Lincoln City fan. Uh, great guy, brilliant for debate, knew his stuff, had loads of time for Marcus. Um, and it was untimely uh, passing. So uh, Saturday, January 21st is, is kind of a Marcus Needham day. I know the 617 are doing a bit of a pub crawl. I think they're starting in is it the William Foster or they're starting somewhere in town and they're going up to the shaky. Then they're coming to the fan zone. Um, Tipsy Imp down at the, the ground, they're donating 50p from every pint sold to the 617 squadron to put towards their display in Marcus's memory. Uh, and I think they've got uh, they've rebranded Marcus's favorite beer, Adnam's Ghost Ship, as a as Stalin Pale Ale, Stalin 2 Pale Ale. Um, so just make sure, get to the ground early, pop over to Tipsy Imp, make sure you grab one of the pints or support the 617. It's in memory of Marcus, um, who was a great guy. So yeah, please make sure that we do that. Uh, I think that's everything, Chris. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, I'm doing dry January, but I think I might make an exception for sen- for, for Saturday because that's that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm driving, unfortunately, so um, I will have one uh, and that will be it. Uh, I won't be having one tonight, but me and Chris have recorded remotely. Um, but in the next 45 minutes, he's then going to leave rugby, pick up our useless mate, Dave, who can't organise anything for himself uh, and come over here to play some pool. Um, so I've got to go and do Southern Fried Chicken and Chips myself because Fee hasn't stuck around to cook me dinner. Um, you're going to rush some dinner through. We'll see each other in about an hour. Uh, but for everybody else, we'll talk to you in a week. So all I can say is thank you very much for listening and up the imps. Up the imps. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. 
there's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.